We so did have our camping well. mattress, which is like, as you would know, is possible. It's pretty good. It's good yeah. for camping. It's mm-hmm. comfy. Yeah, but see, again, it's like I would prefer a firm bed. Yeah. I know that. But then, you know, say we're on tour and we get a hotel and the bed's really, like we've been sleeping mm-hmm. on like bus. I have this memory in 2015, like we've been doing our first bus tour of Europe mm-hmm. and you know, it was like more shows than we'd ever played in a row, you know, like Aussie touring, you do five or six shows and then go home. Whereas like in, in Europe, it's like, yeah, cool. We're going to do like 28 shows in 30 days. Good luck. And um, at the end of it, I was going over to Ireland to meet the family and the others were going home. So I left the bus in Manchester somewhere and got a hotel room. And I walked up and just like opened the bathroom door and saw a clean toilet with no graffiti and broken stuff on the walls. And I went like, oh, <laughs> oh fancy. <laughs> and then went and lay on the bed and it was just like sank into it. And I think I've never recovered from that. Just like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> it's okay. I just like, I it stresses Beep. me out because like the claustrophobia thing, I, I think one of the reasons why I like a firm mattress is obviously when my body requires it clearly because mm-hmm. it responds very... And you also don't like getting eaten by furniture. I just don't like it. I think it's just because it feels as though I'm going to eventually sink into the mattress and never return. Yeah. Like it's just going to consume me. <laughs> yeah. And so it's a little claustrophobic. And so you also... Sm- don't smoke weed. All of the- <laughs> I'll, I'll just eat it. Oh, you eat it, yeah. You shouldn't do either of those things. <laughs> nah, it's fine. Um, I just get very sleepy and giggly. Um, but... My other big problem with these beds is that they're usually king size, which means I can't, like, if I put my arms out like this, I can't even feel Samuel over the other side. And I'm mm. like, where is he? He's, he's just, gone. He's dead. He's been I consumed about, by the mattress. I think about the beginning of the Portal game when you've been asleep for, like, centuries or something by accident <laughs> and they wake you up and you get up from the bed and it's like the human-shaped hole yeah. in the mattress. That's what I think about with soft mattresses. That's it's horrifying. Too much. You're going to leave a Sam print. A Sam print, yeah. We're going to make mattress angels. Mattress. That sounds sexual though, doesn't it? Yeah, mattress angels. That's definitely. Hey, baby, you want to go make some mattress angels? So like, <laughs> is that what children are? <laughs> oh, um, I'm gonna say no. We're gonna make some mattress angels. That's no, great. I don't like that's that. Fucking at all. awesome. I have no words. No, that's great. But, I mean, the this one... is how we're gonna introduce the episode. <laughs> <laughs> but there is one good thing about those, particularly the sky lodges, is even though you are sinking into a bed that will kill you, you have a beautiful view. You do have a beautiful view, and the opportunity. To make a couple of mattress angels. No. <laughs> it's not going to be no. Winter Olympics bracket mattress, mattress angels. angels. <laughs> Don't spoil the title. Oh my God. All right, let's run the music, please. Go. Welcome to the Music and Everything podcast. It's great to have you here hanging out with us. If it's the first time that you've joined us, what we're all about is exploring a topic, career, interest, passion, you name it, and finding out what it is that makes it sing. We want to find some new love for new things and celebrate that. It's great fun. My name is Jim Gray. I'm a singer-songwriter for the band Caligula's Horse. Historically, I've also been an ad nauseum speaker. I think that's probably right. Deeply annoying and a career idiot. I'm joined as ever by the amazing power couple that is the Sams, the one and only Sam Gray and the other one and only Sam Gray. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. 
both of the Sams, outside of being my brother and sister-in-law respectively, are also PhD students who do all of the actual difficult work for this podcast and actually doing the research for each topic while I sit here. And that, that works for me, which is great. So yeah, thanks for joining us. This week's episode, because last time, last episode, we spoke about the Summer Olympics. Indeed. At some length. Yes. So as a natural follow-up to that episode, uh, we're going to talk about the wild and wacky and truly wonderful world of the Winter Olympics. <laughs> Which what is, the fuck? <laughs> and the win- Shuddering in the corner. The Winter there. Olympics is literally just the Summer Olympics on crack. Like, it's just yeah. insane. <laughs> nice. It really is. And that comes from our chief investigator today. <laughs> she did all the research and... Uh, well, I did the, delegate, but I did a yeah, lot of research. But your research led you to the conclusion that it is the Summer Olympics on crack. No, it's just like, it's taking the whole premise of the Summer Olympics. You know, if you listen to the previous episode... You know what I'm talking about, but it's, a, you know, an international multi-sport event that's run, you know, for two weeks or something like that. But this <laughs> was something like that. We still haven't established that. <laughs> yeah. frame. Every four it's years. Every four years. Um, and it's for sports that are done on snow and ice. It's actually, that's that's a question that I had. Yeah, go is, is that Because you say on snow or ice, is there a Winter Olympics event that's that's not related to snow or ice at all? It's just you do it in the cold. No. <laughs> like there's no like archery for cold people. <laughs> Cold archery. Archery no, with sore fingers. But honestly, I would watch that. That would be hilarious. Yeah. I would be into it. Um, javelin, but, no. but the javelin is frozen. That's <laughs> <laughs> an ice javelin. <laughs> There's some dude with his tongue stuck to his javelin somewhere like this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it was uh, first established in 1924 in, um, oh shit, now I've got to pronounce something in French. Yes! <laughs> Chamillon. Chamonix. Chamonix. He did How the are re- you correcting me? <laughs> because I looked it up this time. <laughs> Chamonix. C-H-A-M-O-N-I-X. X oh, is silent. Chamonics. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course. And so um, it began in 1924 and it's all done under the IOC, which is the International Olympic Committee. Um, but I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. The I just IOC. realized that Chamonics is like a really good name for the sounds Michael Jackson makes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> but what's um, really fascinating about the Summer and Winter Olympics, as we know in our lived experience, it always happens two years. So you have like Summer Olympics, two years later you have Winter Olympics. Yeah, so you always have your Olympics dose. Yeah, yeah. you have your like, and they're displaced by two years, but they're still Keep on their on own, the on the line. you know, independent four-year cycle. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen until 1992, Samuel's year of birth. The Barcelona Olympics. Was that the Summer Olympics of yeah, 1992? Yeah, was in Barcelona, yeah. Well, the Winter Olympics- I only know that because of a VHS tape that we had as children where we had recorded the film The Princess Bride uh, and it had a bunch of ad breaks in it because it was recorded from TV for the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. Um, well, that was the last year that the Summer and Winter Olympics were held in the same year. So it wasn't, It basically what happened was- <laughs> In Barcelona as well. In Barcelona, That's yeah, so yeah. <laughs> so um, in 1986, the IOC made a decision to separate them to be on separate four-year cycles in alternating even-numbered years, which is a really long way of saying displace the Winter Olympics by two years. Keep but that fresh. meant that the Winter Olympics, the next Winter Olympics after 1992 was in 1994. So they got like a cheeky double dose of Olympics. That's nice. I love that. Kind of like how we had 2021 and then 2022 summer winter. Yeah, I can't see the, the it's hard to see the positive in that when no, the reasoning for yes. that was 
literal pandemic. But it, but it just was like, how fun would that be that you competed in the Winter Olympics in yeah, 92 and then you're like, immediately let's get back into two Olympics years mode. less aging and therefore getting further away from your athletic prowess. Yeah. That's so, been my experience. One of the key differences between the summer and the Winter Olympics is the requirement for snow and ice. Okay, right. Yep. <laughs> right? One equals one. Let's one go. equals one, yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to make, just in case, people were like, what's that about? <laughs> if you were wondering. If you were wondering. So what that means is... It can only be hosted in very specific places in the world. Mm -hmm. Like Australia has never hosted the Winter Olympics because that would be insane. Oh, you could do it in the fridge? <laughs> in the fridge. Like do it at the ice rink at Acacia, at Acacia Ridge. If we refrigerate yeah. Ipswich. <laughs> yeah. Refrigerate. <laughs> refrigerate. <laughs> yeah. Ipswich. So that's really interesting. So I, I was trying to find the distinction between the Winter and Summer Olympics in terms of number hosted by... Um, how many countries have hosted the games. Mm. So only 12 countries have hosted the Winter Olympics. That's not including cities. So they usually do it by city. So one country can host it, but have hosted it in like four different cities. Uh -huh. So like France has hosted it a bunch of times, but it's been in Paris, in Chamillon, Chamonix. Chamonix. <laughs> Chamonix. 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 Mm. Um, <laughs> 19 countries have ho have hosted the Summer Olympics. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and I think that that's going mean, to that, expand because- Yeah, it makes sense because like- you. you you can't double up. I mean, like, again, it can't be in Ghana. You know what I mean? No, like exactly. But I think what's like, I am thinking about the Summer Olympics and going, what's happening now, though, is if you actually look at the list of countries that have mm. hosted these Olympics, it's predominantly Northern America and Europe. And only just recently has even in the Summer Olympics, Asia started mm. actually getting games held there. Right. And obviously there's a tendering process with getting a city. So you have to put your hand up to do it. But it'd be kind of... Like you were going to see probably an expansion of countries hosting the Summer Olympics, but that's just like not geographically possible for the Winter Olympics exactly. because like you said, yeah. like Central Africa, the like Sub-Saharan Africa probably can't host the Winter Olympics because mm -hmm. there's no snow or ice there. Without some pretty severe infrastructure change. Or like, I don't know, like some form of like weather control machine. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the heart machine. That's yeah. what we need. Yeah, exactly. Terraform the Simpson Desert in the centre of Australia. Yeah. All ice. That's horrifying. Yeah, it does sort of get at my impression of the Winter Olympics as well as being, unlike the Summer Olympics, which is basically every country in the world can send athletes. But the the Winter Olympics, it's like, it seems like a really like specialized to certain countries. It's almost just like the early Olympics happened and originally like the Summer Olympics that like we talked about last time was like a really European phenomenon earlier on. And then they're sort of like, well, we got to have our skiing, don't we? You know, we got to got to have our, our specific European nonsense. Mm. But I, yeah, I mean, it's cool. I mean, there's always going to be a, a like a, a nationality or region that totally smokes in a certain event, mm. you know, for a period of time. I mean, it's like Jamaican sprinters, for example, in the yeah. Summer Olympics or Norwegians in the uh, the biathlon, which I'm, yeah. I wanna, I'm, I'm gonna get so fucking amped about the biathlon lady. Oh, you just, we're gonna you just fucking, fucking talk wait. about it. It's like my favorite thing in the world. Um, but like, you know, of course there's going to be uh, countries that are dominant, but I mean, I got really excited for this year's Winter Olympics because um, Jamaica had a bobsled team again. And it's like, you know, these these totally, you know, and Australians are up in there doing our thing. Yeah. We've got Australian snowboarders and of course they train elsewhere for the mm. most part. They train in Australia. You know? Oh, see, that's convenient. We have it? a base in Just Australia. Drop a few like, letters. Basically, the Australian. <laughs> and I, I'm going to talk about Australia in the Winter Olympics. Don't laugh at that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm ignore. I didn't even hear what he Thank said. You. Yeah. Um, I am. I do want to talk about Australians in the Winter Olympics because it. You know, if anyone knows Australia, it's not exactly the coolest country in the world. Like no, it's cool, but I mean, it's not it's, cold. It's awesome. It's, good. it's fucking but tight. I want to talk about it because we are reasonably competitive in this in a 
in sports that we can't really do in this country. We'll talk about that later, but you're talking about how it does sort of benefit countries in certain areas. It actually came from the Nordic games, mm. which was, so So that's kind of where it started. That makes the most sense. Mm. And so we have um, General Victor Gustav Bolk. Tight, wow. Um, from Stockholm, Sweden. He established the Nordic games in 1901. And then what he actually ended up doing was managing to incorporate winter events in summer Olympics. So there were a few Olympics, Olympics. Olympics. There were a few Olympics, 1908 had uh, skiing and figure skating in it. Mm. Oh, so so it was like a a summer Olympics. But they had those events in there. Yeah, so, but it was, well, yeah, because they didn't have to make the distinction at that point. So they had the Olympics, which had some winter events in it. Mm. And then there was some resistance um, between 1908 and 1920 where like, uh, Bulk wanted to keep it the Nordic Games and keep it separate from the Olympics. But then in 1920, they had um, another, uh, they had figure skating and skiing. And I think they had something called military patrol in there as well. Um, We're going to talk yes, about it. Don't you worry. They sure did. Okay. Um, and then <laughs> it wasn't until the 1924 Olympic Games where they held a separate event in which winter sports were performed. And this is the coolest thing. So Gillis... Grafström of Sweden in the Gil- 19th... 19- Gillis, Gillis Grafström. It's like a JK Rowling character. Yeah, it's amazing. So <laughs> in 1924, he defended his 1920 gold medal in men's figure skating and became the first Olympian to win gold in both the Summer and Winter Olympics. What a mad dog. And also then the only, because then there were no more winter events in the Summer Olympics. Oh, true. Yeah, oh. of course. So there's no like badminton and curling champions. I mean, I would love to see it, but yeah. who can maintain that schedule? The curling and the badminton? I, I mean, I look up to anyone who can maintain an Olympic level training schedule anyway. Yeah. In one discipline. <laughs> so pretty amazing. So in terms of the sports of the Winter Olympics, um, I looked at very few of these oh my God. because Samuel looked at the strangest of them all. Oh, yes. Um. But there are the original sports were bobsled, curling, ice hockey, Nordic skiing, which included military patrol, cross-country skiing, Nordic combined, and ski jumping. And then you have the- Ski jumping, yeah. Skating, (laughs) figure skating, and speed skating. Mm. Um, So curling is the one that everyone is just like, why, what, how, why? But they're they're fascinated and they watch. Yes, I mean, we watch. just going, oh, this is dumb. Oh my God, yes, yes, go, go do it, yes. Curling is like kind of addicted to watch because I did exactly the same thing this time around. I'm like, you've got to watch the curling, don't you? You have to be just flabbergasted by this every four years. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's a tradition. It's a global tradition. I want to be puzzled and then obsessed. Let's talk about the curling. I will talk about the curling. Hooray. Now, curling actually only entered the Olympics properly from 1998. Oh, right. So it's kind of like, it's kind of become like iconic of the Winter Olympics, but it actually wasn't there for a long time. Obviously, it's much, much older than that. Mm. But it wasn't. It strikes me as something very old. It just wasn't entered into the Olympics until that time. So it was actually a Scottish game. Yeah, that also makes sense. Yeah, it, it kinda, just tracks. It I don't know why. <laughs> um, so it's old enough. You know something's old when you don't know when, when it comes from. Um, yeah. When we're talking about, oh, there's ooh, there's a there's a painting here and... Um, it does. It's from the country people. that brought you the Kabatos. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at some point in the 15th century, we, we think. So the 1400s. Right. And it was invented by people who were bored and had like a, a broom. <laughs> 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 it's, like, it's all you need. Well, you it's possible do? the broom, brooms would have come 
second, right? The broom. Because the, the broom. So, <laughs> um, like, so they found an, an old curling stone that had the year written on it, which was 1511. Now, I'm kind of like, why would you write a year on a rock? So I'm like, I'm not convinced. Maybe they were just <laughs> keeping score. But yeah, so like these were the stones that they were just finding in a lake. So they'd be flat on the bottom and you got really, really frozen lake, mm. really, really flat. And you're trying to push it as far as you can and trying to make that strategically fun. It is a really, I mean, it's just kind of like frosty lawn bowls, isn't it? In a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it yeah, is a I, lot like lawn bowls. Yeah, because except the, rather than it being a counterweighted ball where one side's heavier than the other, you mm. scrub the ground to get it yeah. to turn. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, and it's, it's the curling is the is the spin, you know? So like, it's like it's, it's like the on-ice version of Australian cricket ball tampering. Like that's basically <laughs> what it is. You've got you to rough it up. Except it's part of the sport. Except it's actually integrated, yeah. 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 So That was dark, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was a dark time for Australian yeah, cricket. Yeah, We've never no, truly recovered. Know all about it, don't know anything about it. Don't know anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, nowadays it's obviously an artificial plane mm-hmm. and it's called the sheet, the sheet of ice. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really, really flat. And they actually spray it with this water and makes it all like pebbly. And the reason is because it raises the stone slightly and it's got like less surface tension. Oh, wow. How does it work though? How does it work? How does it work? Do you mean the rules or the movement of the stone? I I mean, the rules, I feel like, this is my hot take with the rules of curling, is that you can never understand the rules of curling unless you're watching them do it. And then you're like, oh, I see what you're doing there. And And I understand. lose that knowledge. And then you stop watching (laughs) and you're like, oh yeah, so curling, you do a black hole of, of, of memory. You just remember the broom. Yeah, so the game goes in rounds. The rounds are called ends. Keep up, everybody. Each okay. round, a player from each team shoots two stones. And the aim is to get close to this big target. It actually looks like a big target at the end. And that's called the house. I should have brought the house. Blades. Yes, the house. <laughs> and the beginning of it is where you shoot from. It's called the hack. The hack. So you shoot <laughs> from the- going to do bad actors the whole, the whole episode. You shoot from the hack to the house mm-hmm. and hope to hit the button, which is in the center. I'm not going to do it. You're not going to do it? No. No. It's just underarm you towards do you. It. <laughs> From hack to house. Is it an underarm <laughs> toss in uh, curling? Well, you don't actually throw it, do no, you? you don't, you don't toss it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you don't ever crack the ice. <laughs> Are you mad? Oh, so my yeah, God. You, you push it along with great accuracy. And it's amazing watching the concentration they have. Because I never realized so, so much aim sort of went into that. And the mm. subtle spin that they do to make it curl, to make it sort of spin and, and change direction. Mm. And then the sweeping is basically just to s- straighten it. Or to keep it going because you're kind of like melting the ice with the friction. Does it oh, also right. slow it down? No. Does it speed it up? No. Doesn't do anything. <laughs> it keeps your teammates busy after you've no, done the perfect it, release. It stops it from slowing down because of the um, friction against the ice. Okay. Yeah, because you're reducing the friction. Right. So yeah, it doesn't accelerate it. Okay. <laughs> it just allows it to continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they use it to straighten you. You can see it. They madly scrub right towards the end as they're trying to get it. Oh, don't curl any further. Mm. And of course, they've got people on our site who are just screaming. Oh, curl. Curl. Oh. Like curl. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yep. That explains a lot. Cool. I'm yep. done with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So, but then how does it, how does it work though? So you're getting at why it curls at all. Yeah, I think we're about to have our first Samuel Science Corner. No, we are. Science the pattern <laughs> is broken. Samantha is struggling with French words. I have a science corner. Fuck yeah, let's, let's go. do it. Let's go. And science I'm going to be curling. quiet for a bit. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Headline, curling is not explained by current physics. <laughs> um, <laughs> we do not know 
<laughs> why it curls? Because it actually curls in the opposite direction. What? 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 Now, <laughs> this is all thanks to Dr. Shane Keating from UNSW on this conversation website. So the curling stones go the other way to what you'd think. So if you used to spin a sliding object, it should move opposite to the friction. So if you spin something clockwise, it'll move to the left. But in curling, you do that and it moves in the opposite direction. Why? We don't know. <laughs> did, I not, did I not make that clear? <laughs> I'm just so confused. So it completely disobeys the laws of physics. It does. So Amazing. there was there was this there was this theory that well maybe because it like kind of melts the water as it goes and it slows the friction at the front, and so then it starts spinning in the other direction because this highest source of friction is at the back. But then they tested it and it didn't actually work. It didn't actually make sense <laughs> because it's not spinning enough to melt the water. So then they were like, okay, so there's a curling physics community and they had a fierce debate. Oh my God. There's the pivot slide model, the evaporation abrasion model, the snow plow model, which I really want to know more about. Um, and they were all tested side by side in a 2020 study in Japan and none of them 2020, won. they're looking at this now. This, this is, is contemporary like, science. This Jesus isn't Christ. 100 years ago. We've only just realized that it's not just kind of emotionally and culturally inexplicable. It's also inexplicable scientifically as well. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Exactly. That's insane. That's so good. Why... I'm just, I'm like sitting here with the science, the science soul of mine going, but surely, <laughs> surely we know no. why. No, no, no. It no. hurts me. Amazing. It's the dark matter of uh, Yeah, it's sport. um, it's horrifying. That's amazing. It's absolutely horrifying. What else is on the list? So there was this game. So obviously you were keen to talk about the biathlon. I'm, I'm so but, ready. But what we need to do is before we talk about the biathlon, we need to talk about military patrol. Samuel, you know what military patrol is. I do not. Is it explained by physics? Yes. <laughs> I think we could safely say that skiing and shooting makes sense. Thank God. So military patrol sort of came out of like actually um, decades before the Winter Olympics and possibly centuries actually because in, in Norway and parts of Scandinavia, they'd have military training exercises which would involve skiing and shooting because that's what you needed to do to defend the, that country. And to kill time. It's also really fun. Yeah. Yeah. So there were military exercises in like the 19th century and and uh, um, and even earlier where, um, you know, fun stuff like they'd slide down forested hills at great speed. They'd also do a ski and shoot while they were moving, which I sort of wish was still a part of this. That's amazing. Um, I always thought that that's what the, the ski and shoot was. Yeah, but now filmed very... only by drones, uh, by remote control. and uh... Yeah, like I for real was like the ski and shoot, they're cross-country skiing and shooting targets as they go is what I thought it was, but that's not what it is. <laughs> yeah, they have to dive and they have to hold their pistol sideways. <laughs> like a gangster. <laughs> really, really With sick. a pistol rather than a Hell rifle. Oh yeah, let's go. They have to jump over a burning helicopter. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, I miss yeah. that sport. <laughs> so military patrol sort of evolved out of that, um, but it didn't even become a civilian sport by the time of the Olympics. So its debut in the Olympics um, in 24, in the first Winter Olympics in Chamonix, um, nice one. <laughs> Flex. Um, it, they, it, it's pretty much the same as your biathlon of where you ski um, cross country and then you stop and then you do some rifle shooting and you keep going. Mm. Um, except that they were actual military units. So they weren't competing, they were just training for... <laughs> they were competing. Right. Oh, they were competing. Um, so they had to have two privates, one non-commissioned officer and one officer. And all of them shot rifles except for the officer because that's terribly ungentlemanly and he just carried a pistol. I'm not making a private joke. No, <laughs> I'm also of. not making a private joke. None of us are going to make private jokes. Okay, but Good. they're there. Yeah, so, mature podcast, grown ups, let's go. <laughs> so it was only ever in 24 as a, as a proper um, Olympic sport. Um, and then it was a demonstration game for a few times after that. 
um, before a civilian version of it developed, mm. um, slightly adapted, um, which was the biathlon, um, which, when did that happen? Oh God, when did it happen? You lost when it. When did it happen? Notes. I've lost it. I've lost it. It was 1960. Nice. <laughs> I didn't find it. I just remembered. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the difference between, is there, is there no difference between them? Well, they don't from, have an officer dog. Well, uh, no well, one to command them. No. They're not in uniform. Yeah, I mean, they are in uniform, just not that uniform. Yeah, true. Good point. Military patrol still goes on, though, because there's the military games. Are they the military games? Yes. But so there's a, this has oh, nothing to do with the Olympics. Okay. We're going off track. Good. He there's went a, on a deep dive. <laughs> <laughs> Lost in the sauce. Um, the military games... Um, are basically evolving with that same tradition of using that kind of sport as military training exercises. Um, and I don't want to bring it, I don't want to bring it up again because we did bring it up about three podcasts so far, but the modern pentathlon um, <laughs> is one of those things. But then I found out and I was looking at these military games and I'm like, there are new versions of the modern pentathlon. There are like postmodern pentathlons. <laughs> oh God. I, yes. Okay. All the jokes. It's fine. <laughs> funny what's in the postmodern pentathlon all right so there's the main one which is like the army one the military one um right so that's just like it's kind of what we we kind of consider normally like it's um the modern pentathlon more modern it's shooting obstacle run swimming grenade throwing Uh, uh, cross country yeah yeah. it sort of makes it feel gross doesn't it yeah and then my favorite one is the aeronautical the aeronautical is shooting fencing orienteering basketball obstacle course and swimming Love basketball. It's like a quick diversion right there. Oh, just like some team building. Yeah, we need a little break from back to the military. competition. Yeah. I love that orienteering, I, and I think we've spoken about this off off mic, but orienteering as an Olympic sport would be hilarious to watch because it's about speed and accuracy at that point, right? Mm. So you're basically dumping athletes in the middle of nowhere and going like, <laughs> get back if you can. We won't know where you are. Oh, that would be amazing. It would yeah, be- all the road signs are in a different language. Yeah, it's so it'd just be hilarious. They just end up like hitchhiking all the way back to, you know. Yeah, they need to make the rules the very clear. Mm. So the biathlon in the modern Winter Olympics has military boots. But it isn't a military thing now. No, no, it's a, absolutely not. I think I have to, like, I really want, I think I have to make a reference to the absolute stand-up goat that is Robin Williams here. Because every time <laughs> I think about biathlon, he, he referred to it, I think, in a special in the year 2000. It was just like, he just called it Norwegian drive-by. And that's, <laughs> <laughs> whenever I see it, it's, that's all I can think. So rip to the goat. But also, I, I just love watching it because it's like, just like we talked about in the Summer Olympics with the long sort of distance races where really, you know, it's that last stretch of sprint where everything changes, but they're all exhausted. You know, it's kind of the same thing where you're watching these people like they have to do multiple shooting stations. And the first one is lying down, which according to the commentators is like the easier one it because you're more steady and whatever else. And the second one is it's all fucked up because you have to stand and there's a sway of your body and everything. And then by that stage, you've skied like 18 Ks oh and you're blowing hard. And then they all like hold their breath, take a breath and go like, pop, pop, pop. And they mean to shoot all these targets that are like 50 meters away the size of a frigging golf ball. And you're like, oh, oh God, I wouldn't want to cross these people is all I'm saying. No, and like, especially when you're watching a game, like the like the race that we all watch together where you've got one person who's the clear front runner and then they fuck up their shooting and they're yeah. like fifth in line and then they have to do a penalty lap where it's like an extra, what, yeah. 150 meters. Yeah, it's 150, yeah. And then, and you, and then they manage to still get into top three and like you just, and everything is shifting constantly. Like, it's like the races don't really matter. What matters is what happens when you shoot because if- Because it can change the game. Yeah, because if you're the first one there, but you fuck up everything and mm, like yeah. the seventh person there just like smokes you. Yeah. They're, they're off. Stephen Bradbury. 
We're going to oh, talk Stephen about Bradbury. it. Yeah, we are. All right. We, I mean, we could literally segue to Stephen Bradbury right now. I would love right this. That's just happened. Aussie <laughs> hero. Okay, so True do, you, blue, do you know the full die, story? Cockatoo on the fucking barbie. Do you know the full story of Stephen Bradbury? More importantly, does our audience know the full story? Well, Stephen Bradbury. Okay, tale. so Australian Winter Olympics. Um, this is just like, I, I literally, there's a wiki page for Australian Winter Olympics. This is how it starts. In the early years, Australian athletes did poorly. So that's how no, they started. That's, good. that's awesome. But what we want to talk about now is the the man, the legend, Stephen Bradbury. Bradbury. Speed skater, right? 2000 Winter Olympics, Salt Lake City. The story of him getting gold is absolutely fucking insane. Mm. Every single step of the way. So <laughs> he made it into the quarterfinals. But in the quarterfinals, I think there's five, four or five races in the quarterfinals. The top two finishers proceed to the semifinals. He finished third. Sure. But luckily for him, one of the two competing, uh, two finishers, top two finishers, was disqualified for obstructing another racer. And so he advanced to the semifinals. In the semifinals, because he's an older speed skater, he's one of the oldest competitors on the ice, the strategy of him and his team was to cruise behind his opponents and hope they crash. Amazing. So in the semifinals, he was in last place until all the other competitors crashed. <laughs> and he won the semifinals. <laughs> then what? you get to the finals. You've got five, five or six, I think there's five of them, racing. Fastest motherfuckers on ice. So in fast. The world. And like you need to look it up. There is so much video footage of this. Stephen Bradbury, the speed skating finals, you have to watch it because what happens is throughout the entire race, he's at the back of the pack. He's on the, and on the last curve, literally. He's following the plan. Yeah, he's following the plan <laughs> because he knew he's not as fast as these young guys. And these are young, young men. Some of them are competing in finals for the first time. And so he he falls back. Um, On the last curve, all the other skaters fall down. Each he and is, everyone. Like every, one of them goes, take somebody else with them. And yeah, then it, it just, it's it a just, cascade. Because they're all, all so close together. He mm. was 15 metres behind them. And so he's like, I'm clear just very casually goes over the finish line. Kind of, I don't think, processes it until after he's won. You can watch it happen on his yeah. face. Like his hands go up to his head and he kind of like realises and just has this <laughs> big explosion of... Because the thing is, it is lit, it is in the last bend. Like last on the last straight second. that we're talking metres away from the end. You see and they're all kind of hustling, obviously, trying to get gold because they want to win a fucking gold medal. Yeah. And they just clean each other up and, and he just... In disbelief, just cruises on the line. If you haven't watched it, watch it. it yeah, because then what you see is amazing. you see second and third place like fucking fling themselves. <laughs> but they're not even upright. They're like horizontal on the ice, just like yeah. flinging themselves Damn, across the finish line. Slippery. And so, was he like the first gold Australia got, or have I got the that first wrong? person the from Olympics. a southern southern hemisphere country to win a Winter Olympic event? From the southern hemisphere. From the southern oh, hemisphere. So oh, obviously, he never expected to win. He'd raced four events back to back. Was the oldest skater competing, and by and pure chance got through every single stage. <laughs> With love. <laughs> I had no idea about the semi-final one. I always that's assumed so it was just a good. fluke of the finals. Yeah. No, no, no. So that's the funny thing about it. And like, obviously there were, because uh, there was a US skater who was like top, like in the top two uh, before the crash. I think mm. he may have been responsible for the crash. I but bet he knew it too. Hey? The US uh, com like commentators on the sport after the fact were like, you know, the wrong man won. I'm like, I don't know. He fucking won. Like, <laughs> what like, do you mean? It's a fucking race. Yeah. <laughs> Latrina was on her, his side, clearly. <laughs> Not crashing is a part of, of the speed sport. skating. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Everyone so, else did. And so what's beautiful about this is obviously in Australia, he was the first Australian Winter Olympian to win a medal. And like in the context of being the first person in the Southern Hemisphere to win a gold uh, Winter Olympic medal, we as Aussies tend to do 
decided to make a colloquialism about him. Yeah, you do a Bradbury. Do a Bradbury, <laughs> which means an unexpected or unusual success. Um, and it's just so beautiful because, like, what, with 20... Years, 20, 22 years, yeah. 22 years past that, everyone still knows who fucking Stephen Bradbury is. Yeah, Are you yeah. kidding me? Because the thing is, it's not just that he won. It's the circumstances and the manner in which he won that is possibly some of the most Australian shit ever. <laughs> yeah, and then when Because, you- like, we have that, like, one, underdog shit. We love that. Oh, yeah. But also just, like, the kind of larrikinism of, like, ha, 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 yeah, we, we did it. <laughs> <Go on. laughs> yeah. Through, like, you know, what feels like no effort. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, like, and, then, and then when you realise, like, in the semifinals, the same shit happened. Like, I wonder also yeah. if the skaters that he was around were, like, kind of nervous going like oh my god this guy he, he, he might he might fuck us up out there but it's, it's like it's um, witchcraft yeah i mean we are going to do an episode on tabletop gaming at some point yeah. he, was, he was just rolling 20s yeah over, over, and over, over again, over again. Yeah. but it's really amazing so recently he made it into the news because wait what he was in the news recently okay because he rescued four girls from wild seas what he did he literally went out into they all the fell ocean at the same time <laughs> Jim. But what he had to, but he had to basically, he noticed he was at a beach. He noticed that there was four young girls who were trapped and he swam out four separate times and got them all back. So Legend. he's a fucking Australian and how treasure. How old is he now as well? That's oh, like, he's, uh, well, let me find out. Let me find out just about a quick, cheeky, just a quick, little wiggly Google, yeah. My friend was like, I always thought that Stephen Bradbury kind of looked like the penguin from Surf's Up. Definitely does. And you it's because of up. the frosted tips. Yeah, because again, it was a it was a look at the time. It, it was, was a not, look. It's not anachronistic. That is actually how people looked at the time, which is all of our shame, I suppose. It was 2002, right? 2002? Two, 2000. 2000. Wait, 2000 was a Sydney. No, it was 2002. Yeah, because Sydney Olympics was 2000. You know what? I fucked it up and I wrote, them, the I wrote the date down wrong. See, so yeah, it was 20 years, not 22. Yeah. I'm sorry, everybody. We've all heard you. 48 years old. He's what? 48 years God, old. God, so the thing is he wasn't that fucking young. Yeah, but he was old for <laughs> speed skating. Old, speed skating. Actually, that's probably a good point. But yeah, and I, I just- I love that as well because you watch the the uh, the Olympics, just any any brand of the Olympics, and the the commentators are like, you know, there's the 26-year-old veteran of the Olympics. He's like, shut, <laughs> the, shut the fuck up. You're hurting my feelings. But um, I love- I love the story of Stephen Bradbury because it really does put emphasis on the fact that Australia's competed in every single Winter Olympics since its inception. And we did. Really? Poorly. And I quote, poorly. Poorly. <laughs> um, and we still haven't done, we're still not the best, but I do think like some of the showings from like the snowboarding and stuff this year has been mm. pretty phenomenal yeah, with Australia yeah. and um, New Zealand as well. Wait, did we medal in the snowboarding? Yeah, we, we got did. bronze hell in the yeah. snowboarding, the women's, it was the women's speed slope style. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. and and but it's Go ladies. We've won a handful of medals. And so you've got, um, and mostly (laughs) we've won medals specifically in, uh, I think it was called Ski Jump. Is Ski Jump the, Ski Jump's the one where it's like you plummet down a hill and then you fall with style. That's the, it's the, the yeah, but they're like on a a track and then they like get launched out into the abyss. Yeah. On a real, (laughs) I love that one. Because it's they insane. basically, it's like watching them transfer from like the tucked up ball of falling and like shit, 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 shit. And then the actual launch, they immediately go into like star, star sperm mode. Yeah. And, and it's <laughs> like, I think, I think with, um, with the ski jump, I think is what it's called. There's an element Don't there question of, it. of distance. I just, honestly, you just got to ignore him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, there's an element of accuracy as well as distance because I think you get deducted points if you're off center mm. with ski jump and as well. And also because it's a risk to your life and others. Yeah, <laughs> and it's insane. And like we watched- Off into the wild I go. What was the snowboarding one we watched? Was it just big jump, big air? 
Yeah, it's the big air one. It was it, oh. on the same principle. You have a big, they just throw you down a huge slope. But you just do it jump. on the board. You're not in do, tracks. Yeah, yeah. And sick like, tricks. these were people doing sick tricks um, and <laughs> crashing. Oh, brutal. And it's so hard because in slope style, they're trying, they, they're just like, I've got to get to the end. There's lots of things I need to do to get to the end. Mm. And so they don't tend to get too big in their air stuff because with slope style, you've got rail sections and jump sections. So three rail sections, three jump sections. They want to get to the end because mm. they need to get a score. So they're not doing insane jumps. But big air is where, and it's the same competitors in slope style. We're big pulling air. out all the stops. They're Let's like literally, go. and it's it's like the dis, the dis difference between in the skateboarding between the the big trick one. There's there's two different separate events with the skateboarding where they do yeah. like a whole course, a routine essentially. And then they have to do their and then best they have trick. to do best they're playing trick. game of skate. Yeah, and it's the same kind of idea with like the slope style is like their course thing and then the big air is just like what mm. have you got and there were there's some women pulling out some never seen before in women's snowboarding tricks and yeah there aerial was one, performances. one uh, i think was it the aussie that had introduced the 1080 to yes. yeah that's really really cool to see the development of that because that that ties into that thing that's been happening with the olympics for ages where it's just like how do we keep breaking records? Like, yeah. How, how do we, like, what's happening now that we keep somehow chipping away at the fastest or the biggest or the most articulate that humans have ever been? I mean, it kind of makes sense in the, the late, you know, um, 20th century, especially like uh, you know, post-Soviet breakup era, because it was the breakdown of the um, amateurism requirement in the Olympics, in both Olympics. Um, because from the original Olympics um, all the way up until functionally really the 80s and 90s, um, there were all these rules against having professional associations and professional athletes compete based off the original idea of amateurism from old mm. um, PDC. Mm-hmm. Um, the man. One. And yeah, no, quickly that it was, you know, being seen as like, it's not very sportsmanlike. It's, it's a bit, why are we doing this? Sports are professionalized. It's just the reality of it. Mm. And then of course there was the stuff in the seventies and eighties where um, the Eastern Bloc countries would be happily state sponsor athletes and they would yeah, be categorically right. amateur and then, and then the Western countries of the Western Europe are saying like, oh, well, no, this is not fair and all that. So professionalization sort of happened in the 90s as a result of that. Mm. So it makes sense that part of it being records being broken in as amateurism sort of broke down, but it's still happening. Yeah, we're still talking about like 30 plus years. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like it's still happening. And then Humans and are getting better at stuff. You've got countries as well that are competing and this is the cross both Olympic games. You've got countries that have never really been competitive in certain events like um, in the 100 men's 100 meter final, there was the Chinese runner, and we'd never mm, seen a Chinese yeah. runner in a final in the like final, that. Amazing. And then in um, the para, uh, not in the Winter Olympics. Sorry, we'll talk about the Paralympics in a second. But in the Winter Olympics, you've also got countries that are like like Australia and like New Zealand who are coming out slowly. We're just in and, there having a crack. Yeah, and we're, we're doing go. it. But also Ireland is also like in terms of having a crack, they're getting kind of really, really competitive, particularly <laughs> in sliding sports. And so sliding sports is uh, all the sports in which you slide, which is- Skeleton, thank you. luge, and bobsleigh. <laughs> yeah, so skeleton, luge, and bobsleigh. Is that what the category is called? It's called sliding sports. Sliding. Which yeah. makes it seem like really calm and chill. It's yeah. the most fucked up thing. Yeah, it's, it is fucked up. It's like- you think that like ski jumpers are adrenaline junkies. These guys are insane. Yeah, I'm so glad this year they had in the luge at least. I didn't watch the skeleton because it gives me anxiety. But like in the luge watching and they had the they have a, a speed gun. 
Oh, at yes. certain points throughout the, the course. So you see, yeah. like, oh, now they're clocking it at 150 <laughs> kilometers per hour. And you're like, I would feel uncomfortable going that speed in a car, let alone lying down on a board. Yeah, so, like, Samuel, <laughs> I think yeah. you've, my underwear. you've got all the all the notes on the sliding sport. So I what's do. the difference in So life? I just want to clarify to everybody, if you're wondering what we're talking about, we're talking about the Olympic sports in which um, you hurtle down an ice tube, like a like a almost something you'd see in, like, a, a water park, um, except you're doing it at like 100 to 140 k's an hour on just a sled. On a bladed sled. Yeah, so you've got skeleton, which, which you lie down on a sort of toboggan-esque one with rails and you hurtle down face first. You down. also run, you like get speed. Yeah, yeah they yeah, run yeah. up and then they dive head first down the ice chute. And you've got luge, which is where you lie backwards on it and on a sort of bigger one and you go even faster, actually. Um, Do you go faster in yeah, luge? Yeah, I know. I see. I thought skeleton, I thought skeleton was skeleton the fastest. I thought skeleton would be faster. But apparently the aerodynamics are better on, on for luge. Oh. So if you're actually going is faster. Because you're not screaming the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> There's no resistance. Just, is, it ah! is it because no, because their feet are like out and hooked? Oh, interesting. Yeah, see, it's, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm not a Yeah, um, but I mean, we already physics man. established that like curling doesn't make sense. Let's, <laughs> let's, just let's add move it to on. Yeah, Maybe luge doesn't make sense. Mystery to science. Finally, there's bobsled. And bobsled is just all of that, but in a little Batmobile thing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and it's with your mates. It's with your yeah, pals. With How many people are in the yeah. in the? And that's even faster. That's actually the fastest one. Oh, well, because well, you got the mass of like oh yeah yeah yeah, like yeah, yeah. a squad. Yeah, you yes. bring yeah. It's like F the, equals that happened by accident yeah. for the first time for sure. Like so yeah. <laughs> just a whole bunch of mates just hanging out. So you know, how many people in a tube? Obviously sitting in a box. <laughs> so how many people are in the in the box? In the in the, the Batmobile. No, the it, was, it was a group bath that ended badly. <laughs> So the events in bobsleigh are four man, two man, two woman, woman's monobob. <gasps> woman's monobob. That sounds like a cute hairstyle. Woman's <laughs> monobob. It's very, very vogue very. now. Yeah. Wait, so there's no four women? Yeah, for some reason, no, there isn't. There's just... two women and then there's the woman's monobob. I love how it's just like, men, you need friends. Women, do it on your own. Yeah. <laughs> One so, woman or none. <laughs> okay, so we watched some of these because kind of similar to curling you almost have to because of the insanity of it you have to watch somebody hurtle down a tube yeah it's a and morbid fascination it's, it's because you see people crash and it's really bad but when they smack into the wall I, it's always like sharp intakes of breath it's like, <laughs> like i make all the noises yes um, yeah and um, what was the name of the track oh oh, oh my god the this snow, year the, the snow dragon the snow mm. dragon because obviously it was in the shape of a dragon a mm. curling sort of eastern dragon it was mm. so cool that, it was just that's tight the cursed intestine yeah and they the... have this section it was like the 13th curve which is like the dragon's tail and it was like a sharp curve and that's where most people it's just like here up. comes the 13th curve yeah. let's all cross our fingers <laughs> and we're not watching and someone it's, die it's so funny watching them because it's all happening so fast and obviously if you're not someone who knows the sport you're going like I don't know if this is good or bad. I can't tell. Yeah. And you've got commentators saying like, oh, she's moving too much on like the big curves. And I'm like, I don't know well, what that means. Picking up too much speed here. Yeah. And I'm yeah, like, oh, and I'm, oh I'm like, I'm like, Well, because so without explanation, it just kind of looks like someone is just, just sliding down a tube. Just like, yeah. and they look at the time at the end and go like, oh, wow, by chance, that was pretty good. Like, <laughs> yeah, because like they have to, so with the skeleton, they run, but, and so they got grippy shoes, but you're, you're still on ice. It's like, you're yeah. not going to get like the same sort of, grip that you would on like a normal track. And then track. somehow just... Yeah, and then they yeah just and when, they, when they do crash and, you know, hit upside down or something, they're hitting ice and sliding along it at like 130 k's yeah. an hour. Sheer brutality. I wouldn't the, even the thing drive is, that fast. These guys fast. get up at the end and they're like, yeah, nice. Okay, man. That was, that was really good. I did <laughs> very well. They seem like really chill people, to yeah, be honest. They eat yeah. adrenaline Well, they, they, every I think day. they've become immune to adrenaline. Yeah, you know? I think they're just... Like yeah. something could go horribly wrong and they'd be like, okay, guys, first thing that we're going to do... <laughs> 
So we're going to take our ice shoes off. Okay? <laughs> I remember seeing one woman who did a personal best um, after getting to the same point in the competition that she had last time where she crashed, broke her back. Jesus and like a whole Christ. bunch. And her neck. She broke her, her back and her neck. And then came back. You need those things. Yeah. yeah. So she came back for more. Um, <laughs> and she she did it again and then crushed it. Oh, did crushed what? Her back? <laughs> no, and she did well. She did well. She's <laughs> better than an Australian would. But yeah, it's it's pretty wild to watch it. And I think we were watching um, quite a lot of these insane sports. And this is why I'm saying it's like the Olympics on crack because it's you think about some of the Olympic sports and we. Uh, summer Olympic sports, you're like, yeah, we could give that a go. No one is giving skeleton a go. Yeah, no I mean, one's just like, I'm going to crack. How yeah, do you get do I mean, it? I, I imagine it's the same way that people get into like, uh, like parachuting or something like that, where it's just like, you know, like an adrenaline junkie type of person. Yeah, I think they probably yeah. start with like tobogganing and then they like to ramp it up a notch, yeah. you know. Or either that, you're literally I mean, describing how skeleton was started. <laughs> but again, yeah, we're just like, we're going to take luge and we're going to we're gonna be crazy. Gonna be <laughs> yeah. But I mean, my favorite thing about this is that we're sitting here going in this wacky wide world, it's on crack, it's all this stuff. And that's purely our Australian perspective yeah. because this <laughs> just isn't part of a regular culture. Yeah. It could even it could easily be that like luge is, you know, like understood to be a regular sport and all of these things are not absurd to people in Europe and Scandinavia and whatnot. And it's just kind of like, of course people would get into it because it's sick. I mean, know? it looks fun. And if you're not competing at an Olympic level, you probably don't need to go that fast. And it would just be a fun If you little, can help it. If you can help it. But like, I'm certain <laughs> that like, you know, for all we know, there are like, I don't want to say like ice parks, but like that could be cool if that's a thing. I would yeah, like curling. I would try curling because it would be like I want to like the low impact sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's strategic. Like it's like chess bowls but cold. <laughs> chess bowls but, but cold. cold. <laughs> I like it. I like that a lot. And so when you're thinking about all of these events, um, you'd be surprised how many of them are in the Paralympics, right? Because the, so the Winter Paralympics, the Winter Paralympics, which yeah. is a different event, and like. I just, I'm like, I'm, I find it difficult to comprehend any person wanting to do this at all, these sports, because they seem so insane mm -hmm. and intense. But there are there are athletes who compete in things like, well, actually they have ice sledge hockey in the Paralympics, which I don't think is in the Winter Olympics. Ice sledge hockey. So I don't know exactly what that is, but it's hockey. Yeah. On ice. So it's like a like a water polo. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, not water polo. I mean like horse polo. But in a in a sledge. Horse polo? Maybe. Oh actually that's oh, yes. like, like a hammer. Like. Polo, yeah. Yeah, that's probably right. And Croquet. they do they actually do the biathlon. I don't think you need to call it horse polo. I think it's just polo. I think it's polo <laughs> and then water polo is the distinction. Oh, like the polo Ralph Lauren shirt. Yeah, have you the figured symbol. is that clicking? Oh now? no, you're yeah, right. That, I thought is. it was just a symbol of the bourgeoisie. You're absolutely right. <laughs> so they're sitting in a in like a little like almost like a like a tricycle, but on 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 blades, like a blade tricycle, mm -hmm. and they play a blade tricycle. And they play. <laughs> I'm watching this. <laughs> um, they play yeah hockey and racing. They do the biathlon as well, and mm -hmm. so you've got yeah, versions of the biathlon where the athletes have to be lying down the whole time. Yeah, and where they can be standing up um as well mm -hmm. because I think with the skiing element, you can either be a standing skier or a seated skier. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Right, and then you've got para so much variety in it. Para snowboarding. As in with a parachute? No, no, no. no, no. They, it's basically just... It's, Wait, yes! <laughs> so it's just like snowboarding, but the various different kinds of physical impairments. Or oh, okay, I right, don't yeah. think that there's a visual impairment version yeah. of the snowboarding. There are... Well, I mean, like to, again, to just make a broad assumption, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Because I've only done snowboarding adjacent activity once. 
uh, I was with a mate in Germany and he took me to this indoor snowboarding place. So it was like really low key. And he was just teaching me the, just the gentle kind of side by side. I can't even remember what it's called. You just, you know, you're not even facing down the hill. You're parallel mm-hmm. to it and just slowly breaking your weight down. Um, and then at one point I kind of lost control of what I was doing because I'm, I'm a noob and I twisted and started facing the way that you would expect a snowboarder to go. And I went so fast because I guess the idea is that the blade of it is kind of melting the snow and creating a frictionless environment for you to zoom. And I went so freaking fast. So you can imagine like uh, doing a vision impaired kind of event of that with the speed and the risk and the danger. That's just a broad assumption that, that, you know, it's probably just not possible. And I actually think that that there's not that many visual impaired uh, events in the Paralympics. I think the Winter winter ones, uh, biathlon is one. So they, so have, the a does exist. they yeah, have a guide okay, right. wow. for the skiing and then they do sound, like like the shooting, they have a sound target rather than a visual target. They, and they right. actually do shoot. They shoot. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and so with the para, with the snowboarding in the, in the Winter Paralympics, it's main, it's physical, um, so physical disability. So they are, I think it's predominantly amputees or mm-hmm. um, people with uh, like cerebral palsy motion or uh, partial impairment of limbs. Is the... Winter Paralympics broadcast in the same way as the Paralympics is it here is. in Australia. It's done exactly it the is. same way. So it's always straight after. But I've this literally is literally never seen it. Well, this, this is on me. You this know. is, and you can watch it. It's on Seven Plus. It's on Seven Not Plus. Not Spawn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they are. It, but this is the broad problem with the Winter Olympics as a event because obviously the Summer Olympics it has way more events in it, and it's mm. a, it's a well well known, and a lot of people can kind of translate themselves to the sports. The Winter Olympics have had massive issues with getting coverage. And then the Winter Paralympics has, it gets the same coverage, but people mm. just don't really watch it because they don't know it's there. Yeah, and yeah. Like, Fighting uphill the whole Yeah, way. exactly. And like there's like wheelchair curling, which I have watched some of, and it is just as insane to watch as curling. <laughs> it makes equal or less sense. And yeah. honestly, <laughs> honestly, it makes more sense because I'm like, Okay, so you're in you're in a wheelchair. You're already in the position. You're already in the position. That looks, I mean, that looks good. Like yeah. that looks more comfortable than what any of the other athletes are doing. Like you guys have figured it so out. The winter Paralympics. I've got to watch it next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask before. You know how last episode we were talking about the you know the basic like the hundred meter, two hundred meter sprint, mm-hmm. and as specifically, and then more broadly the the athletics events being kind of the rock stars of the uh, summer yeah. Olympics. Yeah. What is the rock star of the winter Olympics? Figure skating. Figure skating, you're right. I would say that most people, when they're thinking about the Winter Olympics, and we haven't spoken about figure skating at all because I think- I was going to bring it up, actually. Yeah, because I think it's it's an interesting- So figure skating is not an option in the Winter Paralympics, but it is one of the most watched of the Winter Olympics because people can- Because it's beautiful to watch. Yeah, it's kind of like the gymnastics element of it yeah. with the sort of the- It has to also be graceful and Yeah, you know, and when you watch and, the couples one, it's like, yeah. how are they yeah. skiing and like- Skiing, skating. How are they skiing? How are they skiing? What are these <laughs> guys doing? Graceful. I mean, amazing. It's clumsy as fuck. Um, it's like watching kind of like a duck try to run. In. <laughs> <laughs> and then it would still be really romantic as yeah. well. <laughs> like beautiful music playing in the background. That just. <laughs> oh man, artistic skiing. This has got to be a thing. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I think that there isn't one thing. I would say that people have their own specific interests when they. So when you're watching the Summer Olympics, you're like, yeah, we watch the athletics because you got to. I mm. think people approach the Winter Olympics with, I'm really interested in the snowboarding, so I'm just going to watch that. Yeah, I'm right, really okay. interested yeah. in skating. A specific event. They, and Me and the biathlon. I don't, you know. Yeah. And so I love watching the figure skating. But yeah, I, also, no, I mean, I, I do as well. And I introduced my daughter to it this year as well. And then she started doing like twirls and stuff around the house because she was so excited about mm-hmm. it. Because again, there's that kind of dance part of it, mm. as well as the technical, like everything must be 
be perfect and delivered oh, exactly to the rules kind of and thing. And they do the most insane stuff. And you're just like, yeah. what? And like, stop doing that. Well, like, that doesn't seem good. It's all like such a good counter to that traditional culture of the sort of ballet influenced mm. style where there was this, this, I think they were American, I think. And they, they were a team, a couple team, I'll say. And they were, they were, they were dressed as like a human astronaut and uh, an alien? alien that was like <laughs> learning to love or something. Okay, yeah, let's go. And that was the story behind the... Oh, I'd love to see the pitch for that. It's like, okay, coach, hear me out. <laughs> and they were not in like pretty outfits. They were in silly outfits. Amazing. It was awesome. Yeah. I but I it. do think that figure skating has the has taken the reputation of like it's the pinnacle of the winter sports. Mm. And I think if you asked most people, you'd be like, oh, you know, have you seen any Winter Olympics? They'd be like, oh, yeah, I watched the figure skating. Yeah, right. But they may not know about the snowboarding and the sliding sports and the curling um, or anything like that. Well, the, I mean, is it ice hockey an Olympic? Yeah, ice hockey is Olympic an Olympic sport. sport. Yeah. I imagine that that has a pretty significant following. That, given the, in North America, especially. Mm, yeah, yeah. But that, that said, like... Even what like to to hark back to the Summer Olympics a little bit, like we were talking about baseball being part of it now, mm. and it's like I, I'm a baseball fan, and I tried to watch some of the Olympic baseball, but I didn't. I wasn't engaged with it. I, mm. I wanted to be, and I, I I didn't engage with it in the same way, and I can't tell you why. So like maybe there's a, a reflection of that in the in the ice hockey as well. I mean, it might be a, a little bit about to do with that definition of what people feel is an Olympic sport, and interesting, and you know, like, and yeah, you like know, someone says darts, and like, that's have, not I, an Olympic sport. Dude. <laughs> well, no, not even that. I, I, my point is that I think it would be to me because I kind of want to watch the Olympics to watch the stuff I can't watch otherwise. You know, so interesting. Like, you want it to be baseball, a unique I flavor. Yeah. yeah, I see. I see baseball. Like I can see baseball mm. in MLB and, and in the Australian league as well. Yeah. Um. And then, but in the Olympics, it's kind of like I want. I really want to see that the drama and the athletics. And, I want to watch the winter the curling. You know, yeah, I want to see something that I'm not going to see every day. Yeah, yeah and like exactly. the snowboarding with the um. And I think the other thing is like there's. I feel like there's a very dis like. And we were speaking about this uh, a couple of days ago. This, when you're talking about the Summer Olympics, there seems to be this collegiality that's kind of present, right? But within the winter sports, I feel like there are some sports that are just like, like the women's snowboarding was just like a group of women who were just chuffed to be there and were so supportive <laughs> yeah. of each other. Yeah, hell yeah. And they would like, like the skateboarding, same And like same the deal. skateboarding. And mm. so you got the snowboarders, like the, the woman who ended up winning silver, I think. Oh no, the one who won ended up winning gold mm. finishes her run, her final run. It's the last run of the event. And the, uh, silver and bronze competitors, which is an Australian and someone from Austria, goes over like and just like collapses. He just yeah, absolutely yeah, like yeah. throws her to the ground and like jumps on her in support. And all of the women who competed were just like doing this big group hug, and it was beautiful That's to so watch. Great. And then you've got something like the figure skating where it's a little bit more tense. It's a, yeah, and it's it's very individual and kind of competitive, and you know, like not to bring up like Tonya Harding and, and the history of all yeah. that, but like you know what I mean. So severe. I mean, in the, in the same ways, you you would probably look at the strictness of of ballet and all of its rules. And yeah. you know, and, and how things must be, and you know, there's only going to be one sort of prima ballerina kind of vibe. You know, I, I do get that from that, but again, it's cool to see the character of of like a very modern uh, comedic take, you know, <laughs> ironic take on you know. By the way, what we're doing is a bit silly, and it's it's fun. Yeah. You know, it and, could be an artistic dance without it being like deadly Tchaikovsky. serious. Yeah, mm. exactly. Tchaikovsky yeah. every single time. I mean, time. And there yeah. was Tchaikovsky, and like he slaps, but yeah. not every <laughs> Tchaikovsky time. Slaps. <laughs> he does. I like that. He does. But I mean, the, the Winter Olympics is always a riot to watch, especially as an Australian, because you're just like, I can't happen upon these sports. I'm not going to accidentally go and, like I've snowboarded, but I had to drive a very long way yeah, to I do that. Yeah, I had to that. travel for that. Yeah, and I had to, like, and there's an ice rink in Acacia Ridge, but like, 
It's, that's just for fun cruising. That's just for fun. <laughs> but no, people train there too. Yeah, no, of course they do. But I, I, I love taking my daughter there and stuff, and she's yeah. like sh- shimming around. On yeah, the and it's, it's but it feels like you're like deliberately going into a world that is. Yeah, I'm going to do something strange today. Like check me out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because also you enter and it's like frigid and cold, and outside yeah. it's like 35. That's the place degrees, to be. Place to and you're be. just like, oh, this is fantastic. Mm. Um, whereas you know stuff like um, there's only so many times you can go into the Woolworths. Meat freezer yeah. before they start asking questions. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, Whereas, yeah, and I just, I just love it so much. Yeah, and like I, I was thinking about what you're saying, Jim, about the the Olympics, Winter Olympics being such a con, uh, confounding experience for Australians who just basically, at least on the mainland, don't have winter. And you know, like my angle on that is a, it kind of is a commonality with the Summer Olympics in the way because every time I watch the Olympics, I have this glorious feeling like I'm coming in halfway, like like I'm. I'm halfway through the story. They've already there's already a world out there full of sports that I don't understand, um, and I'm enjoying being confounded for once by something that's good. Like mm. it's a good thing in the world that I don't understand, and it existing, uh, you know, without me <laughs> essentially is with and without me is you're like, coming half coming in halfway through the biopic. Like yeah, you know, this this is the this is something that I've had no part of. I'm yeah. I'm a, an observer from the outside. Yeah, and the, you know there's you know, an athlete there that's like, oh, they really did well in the, this event previously. Let's see how they do in this one in the future. And it's so, something almost like almost spiritual about a spiritual comfort about knowing that that's going on. Um, mm. Something as magical as the Olympics is going on while, um, and I just kind of pop my head in yeah. every few years. But I mean, I feel like that's exactly what this podcast is all about. I mean, like to a T is what you've just said is that like all of this stuff is happening out there. We have nothing to do with it. And if we just go and look at it for a minute and try to find out what, you know, what's exciting about it, it's, it can be a really magical experience. And I think, you know, with what we, I really enjoyed learning about the history of the winter Olympics today. Like the, the fact that it makes perfect sense that it came from some Nordic stuff, mm-hmm. you know, cause you watch them dominate in a whole bunch of these sports because it's stuff that was birthed from their traditions. The fact that curling is, you know, inexplicable scientifically but makes perfect sense and where it came from. And, and you can totally imagine how as a sport, it was just kind of like, yeah, we'll, we'll do this. <laughs> this is what we'll do today. I found this rock. <laughs> Check this out. You know, that's really cool. I'm very excited about the Winter Olympics, no matter what. You know, I, I admitted that from the get-go, but I love talking about it and I love talking about it with you guys. It's really nice. Um, thank you all so much for tuning in today. I hope that you guys will check out the Winter Paralympics next time it comes around. What year will that be? That's 2026. Six. Yeah, so we got a little while to think about it. But, uh, <laughs> it is available sometimes to uh, after a few months afterwards and sometimes it's on YouTube, yeah, so, so if you, go check it out. Go check it out because, again, I, I will be because like I've never looked into it and that's, that's totally on me. Um, but, again, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you can find us on social media at the Music and Everything Podcast on Instagram and at TMIE Podcast on Twitter. So shout us a hello and say good day. Thanks again. Goodbye from me and Sam and Sam. Bye. Bye. Take care of each other, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.